on episode 67 of DevTalk, I speak to Ed Snyder about Swift UI. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop. Today's guest is Ed Snyder. Ed is a senior software developer at Inferno Red Technology, and he's also a Microsoft MVP. We've met a couple of times in the past, uh, be, both being Microsoft MVPs in the Xamarin space and I'm really too ha happy to have you back, Ed, or to talk to you after seeing, not seeing you such a long time. Hi. Hi. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Thanks for having me. It's good seeing you again. Yeah. You were, I think you were one of the Xamarin MVPs a, a while back. And when Microsoft stopped the Xamarin MVP program, you became a Microsoft MVP. Uh, you are a, a book author. You wrote a book about Xamarin Forms. Yes. Could you perhaps tell us a little bit about what that book is about? Yeah. So I just finished the third edition. The third edition came out last January. Mm -hmm. um, the first edition, I think, was 2016. Um, the name of the book is Mastering Xamarin Forms. And so the idea was um, how to kind of a build a, a Xamarin Forms app, assuming you already know Xamarin Forms. So the book's not about how to use Xamarin Forms and how Xamarin Forms works and, and all that. It's more about like, all right, so you know Xamarin Forms. Now you're ready to build an app. Yeah. What do you do? Um, and really, the whole focus of the book is to to have good architectural practices and and best practices and things like that. So, so I start at the beginning and we build an app through the entire thing. Um, I believe the third edition was nine chapters. So you start off with file new project, and then you know the second chapter you build um, you know like view models, and then third chapter navigation, and it kind of goes on. And and the whole way along, I'm kind of explaining why we're doing certain strategies and approaches. And sort of the overall thing is if we can keep everything separate and um, use sort of that all the best parts of MVVM, then we have like a very testable uh, thing. And so like the last chapter, you write some unit tests and you kind of see the benefit of the whole thing. And so um, it covers MVVM, dependency injection, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and just kind of all the benefits of that and how to apply those to Xamarin Forms. You know, Xamarin Forms to me is more than just a UI framework. It also has all those pieces of of an MVVM toolkit or frame framework. So you don't really need to bring in an MVVM framework. There's a lot of great ones out there, but you don't necessarily need that. And so this book just kind of showed you how can you do that with what you get in the box with Xamarin. Okay, nice. Uh, does it, so which, which Xamarin Forms version was the current one when you released the last edition? Uh, the last edition was Xamarin Forms 4. Okay. And so it covered, uh, like, one of the big changes was switching over from list view to collection view, mm -hmm. um, things like that. And uh, But again, like, those things weren't, um, weren't a huge part because it was more about, like, less about the Xamarin Forms API, more about, like, how you're using it and how you apply the patterns to it. But... That one did matter the the collection view because uh, the sample and the app used a list view. So I switched that over to kind of keep it up to date. And there were some other things with Xamarin Forms four that I was able to incorporate in there. Um, so yeah, very nice. Is this something that you do in your day job too, or at this at the moment, or are you focusing on some other technology? Yeah. So my day job, um, I work at Inferno Red, like you said, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I've mostly, I've been here, I just hit the seven year mark in um, January. So I guess seven and a half years now. And uh, for the majority of that seven and a half years, I've been a mobile developer. And I would say the majority of that time is always, it's always been Xamarin. Yeah. And most of that has been Xamarin Forms. So I'd say, yeah, like 100% of the time I'm doing Xamarin Forms, which made 
you know, writing the book kind of second nature. Cause it's like, yeah, this is, I'm doing this all day. And then when I wrote the book, I wrote the book on my own time. So that wasn't part of my job. That was mm-hmm. just sort of a, for fun type of a thing. Um, but yeah, mostly do Xamarin development, but actually the interesting thing is, and I've done .NET almost my entire career. I mean, I started doing .NET, I think in 2005, about that time. So being a .NET developer, my the majority of my career, and then almost all the mobile development I've done has been Xamarin. But then last year, um, just the nature of consulting, you know, it's um, a new project came along and it wasn't a Xamarin project, it, but it was a mobile project and uh, it was Swift. So um, that was a fun adjustment. One, because I didn't know Swift. And yeah. two... I've spent the majority of my time talking about how um, I would always want to do Xamarin because when you use the native languages, you know, there's, you know, you run into this, you run into this, you run into this, but if you do it with .NET and Xamarin, here's all the awesome things. And so then I was in a situation where I was kind of, I almost felt like I was doing something wrong, (laughs) but I also enjoyed it because I learned a new language. I learned a new technology and it just kind of gave me a different perspective on things. Uh, It was neat still doing mobile, but doing it differently. And uh, so that was just regular Swift. Um, and, uh, and then I went back to a Xamarin Forms project. And now, again, I'm on a, another Swift project. Uh, but the cool thing about this one is it's actually Swift UI. And so it's oh. it's new technology, very new technology. Um, it's uh, Swift UI on a somewhat legacy code base. Um, there's there's still some Objective-C stuff in there. There's some um, some regular Swift in there. And then now we're at any new UI we're adding, we're doing it with Swift UI. So it's, yeah, kind of all over the place, but uh, yeah, currently doing Swift UI. I still call myself a Xamarin developer. (laughs) Okay. Well, the same thing happened to me last year that ended last year. I actually had my first project in Swift. Um, Mm -hmm. It was an existing app and there was some, some new functionality that had to get in there. So, so it, we had to do it in, uh, in the language that was already there. Yeah, for me, it was also a, a nice change of perspective. It It is pretty close to C-sharp development, mm-hmm. I thought. So Swift uh, is is only iOS or, or well, I, I guess there are some experimental uh, things to get mm-hmm. it to run on other platforms, but any version of iOS and Swift UI is this new thing and it's like iOS 13 and newer, I think. So you, you're lucky to have a project where you can actually use this, where the... <laughs> You don't right. have the necessity to support older older clients, right? Exactly. Yeah, you had to, it, it, the target. I think you're. Yeah, I think it's thirteen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's fun. That's that's sort of the fun thing about um, commercial, you know, software apps that are out and con- kind of consumer facing is you can be a little bit more cutting edge with things. Yeah. Um, so, could you explain Swift UI to someone who has done? like a XAML style or Xamarin Forms WPF development? Sure. So, well, first of all, Swift UI is declarative. So it's actually more kind of like um, you could, there is no UI markup. So mm-hmm. there's nothing like XAML or XML or, or anything like that. It's um, it's it's more like some of the things that are, that are going to be coming out soon with MAUI and like the Comet um, project uh, mm-hmm. for, for Xamarin. It's more like that. So... Um, and that, that was an adjustment for me as well, because I've never really done declarative UI development and it, but I love it. I mean, it looks super clean when you write it. It's like very clean code. You can tell exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of just chain these things together. So if you had a button, um, then you wanted to 
make the text color blue, the background black, and um, the padding 10, you just literally type that. You say button dot background, and then in parentheses, the color mm -hmm. uh, dot padding, in parentheses, the padding. And you just kind of build it out like that. And it's just, it's very clean. And I like it. I mean, there's still some, there's some quirks. I mean, you would think that you could kind of put those things in any order, but you can't. Mm -hmm. So like if you put the padding before the background, the padding would get applied before the background gets applied. And so you'll get different results. And so just huh. like kind of getting through some of that stuff um, and, and learning those things along the way. But uh, it's cool. And, and I think that kind of describes it. <laughs> yeah. The, I, well, XAML is in a way also like a declarative representation of the UI, but, but how, how is this different? I mean, it's, it's actual code, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's actually Swift. You're writing Swift. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. And there's no storyboard or anything like that. So no designer, there's not a designer, but mm -hmm. there is a previewer. So in, in Xcode, as you're, um, as you're writing this, the yeah. previewer updates and you can see the changes and, and things like that. And okay. you can even run the app in the previewer. That's also close to Xamarin forms, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 It's funny to see like some of the parallels and even see um, things that, you know, we've had for a long time in .NET and in Xamarin. And it's like, well, that's finally coming about in Swift. But mm -hmm. then there's other things where it's like, well, you know, Swift's been doing this and now Xamarin's catching up and doing that. And so it's, yeah. it's neat. Um, like MVVM, for example, um, like I was talking about with the book that uh, to me, that pattern is it's, I mean, I've been using that pattern almost my whole career. I started using it in, um, I don't know, what it, it was a WPF that that came, I, th I think it kind of came about. Yeah. Um, and I used it all through UWP and Windows 8 development and things like that. And uh, of course, Xamarin Forms. Mm -hmm. and so um, it turns out SwiftUI is actually a really natural fit for using the MVVM framework. So I've been kind of tinkering with that. So, so how, how do you hook up what you've declared as a UI to what's underneath in, in Swift UI? Is, is it typically MVVM or is there, there some other way? So uh, I guess by default, um, just, you know, if you were gonna do like a, a hello world with a button tap, you know, where mm -hmm. you tap it and increment it, you wouldn't have to use MVVM. You wouldn't have to use anything other than a single file. Um, and the way that, the, the other cool thing, I guess, about it or the other sort of key part about swift ui it's declarative but it's also um, all state-based so if you um you know if you wanted to toggle something and change the state you can't really you don't um like in my mind in you know the xamarin world or, or in a dotnet application or something if you had a button you would have an event handler and in that event handler you would change something and you might even change something about the button itself. So you could just refer mm -hmm. to its own properties. Um, in Swift UI, it doesn't work that way. You, you don't access your own, your, yourself. Like you can't say, okay, I tap the button, now change the button's text to okay. a different color. What you do is you actually change a state variable and then where you set the color on that button, you use like a, um, uh, a conditional statement to say, if the state is this, put the color as this. If the state is not that, do the color there. So what you actually do is you change the state and then the update or the, the UI updates based on that state. So it's sort of like MVU. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's, if it's 
hundred um, percent. I don't know NVU enough and I don't know Swift UI enough to really say it's, you know, but it, it's sort of along those lines where it basically looks at the difference and it applies it and it just all magically happens. And what is the trigger to, for, for it to update the user interface? It's like in, in the MVVM or the, the Microsoft world, it's like notify property changed. Something mm -hmm. has changed. Please check that. And and here is it like a, like a global thing? So, so, something somewhere has changed. Yeah, it's actually so much nicer. Actually, <laughs> so <laughs> the the model I just described um, before we get into the like the view model piece of it. If you just have that, like you click a button, you want to change some state. Um, you'll have a variable like a private variable, um, mm -hmm. whatever that is, like it is visible or something. And all you do is you add an attribute to the beginning of that. That's it's a state attribute. So okay. it's the at sign and then state. And what that tells Swift UI is, all right, this is holding state. And then it knows to, to keep an eye on that. And as that thing changes, anything that relies on it, update the UI that's tied to that. Mm -hmm. But that state thing is meant to only be within a single view. Now, if you wanted to have a view model and the view model kind of has its state, things change a little bit. And then it does turn into more like I notify property change. So, uh, but it's a whole lot simpler and cleaner. What, what you do is you... Uh, so you create a, a view model file and then you make it inherit or implement observable object, making sure I remember that correctly, observable object. Okay. So that's sort of like saying, okay, it's, I notify property change. So now it's saying I'm an, I'm an object that's going to be, that can be observed. And then mm -hmm. each of the properties. So like, you've got like first name, last name, email address as properties. Uh, when you define those, you can give those an attribute that's at published um, so it's the at sign and it's the word published. Okay. And then that's all you have to do. You don't have to wire up any like change handler type stuff like you do with I notify property change. Mm -hmm. And then back in your view, um, you, however you get the reference to your view model, whether you instantiate it right there, or you pull it in through like constructor inject or initializer injection, I guess. So once you have your view model, you just also add an attribute to the view model property um, that's observed object. So mm -hmm. this is saying... Uh, okay, that's an observable in as the view, I'm observing it. And so okay. what happens then is anytime one of the properties in the view model that's been labeled as a published property, anytime those change, all the, it just all magically happens because it's, uh, it's being observed. And so it just knows to observe those published properties. So nice. the published, the ones that are labeled as published are basically the same as state, except they're external of the view. And then you, there's also bindings you can create to kind of make things happen two ways. So if you like type text, you can have it go back to the view model as well. Oh, okay. That, that was going to be my next question. That was my impression like from MVU. There's, there's no mm -hmm. changing. That, that's how I understood MVU. There's no changing of the model. It always completely gets replaced by something else. Uh, is, is this the same in, in SwiftUI or, or is that not the case? I mean, you, you would have to completely replace the model if you want to change something about it. So like, like uh, think, think C-sharp records, you, you have something yeah. and you, you can't modify it. You just copy it and modify something along the way while copying it. That, I guess, is it's not really like that, at least not with a view model. The view model okay. sort of maintains itself, um, mm -hmm. at least as long as you have the view there. It's not being... It's because it's maintaining its state. So it's holding on to state there. And so as yeah. you're changing those properties in the view model, they um, they stay there, <laughs> I guess. Okay. And, yeah. so, and so then you have a reference to that view model in the view. And I think, you know, what happens is the as those properties in the view model change, the view updates anything that is bound to those properties. 
Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, so it and, works just like I notify property changes, just way less syntax. Yeah. And and so anything underneath that uh, in the code is basically just using the existing uh, Apple APIs, right? Uh, just talking to devices or mm -hmm. GPS or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And then that's where like sort of the same, and that's the, the kind of the cool part about using MVVM for me is it make that model makes sense for me because the view model then can take on its own dependencies, which would handle like talking to GPS, talking to the camera or whatever. And the, the UI, the view is just a view and it, mm -hmm. all it knows is I'm bound to this observable view model, but that's it. And so then it starts to set you up better for being able to test that view model and all the logic in the view model, because you can then kind of start to decouple things. And uh, I think that's where NVVM is, I just, I really like that pattern for that reason. And um, so, yeah, if you wanted to do something like talking to the camera or, or playing audio or using the GPS or something like that, you would do that in like a, a service class or something along those yeah. lines and then just pull that into the view model. The view model, as as those things change, like if, you're, if your GPS coordinates changed, then you would update one of those published properties and then that would trickle down and the view would update. Okay, and the Swift UI part, does that just use the existing controls from UIKit or is this something completely new? As far as I know, yeah, they're actually I'm pretty sure there are there are UIKit controls mm -hmm. and they're just it's just an API over top of that. Okay. Because you can you can if there's a control in UIKit that you want, you can wrap it if it isn't already. I mean, I think they're pretty much all taken care of, but like for example, a slider. Yeah there's some properties on there that aren't exposed in, U in Swift UI. And so if you wanted to uh, customize that, you can wrap it in a view representable and then you can mm -hmm. kind of do your own thing and still use it in Swift UI, but almost like a renderer. Yes, <laughs> it reminds renderer. me of Xamarin Forms, right? Uh, there, yep. There's a property missing and then you have to know th the technology underneath and you have to yep. write, write your own wrapper. Okay, yeah. <laughs> But nice that that's possible. Okay, exactly. You can never get away from knowing the native APIs, whether right, you're using yeah. Xamarin or what. You still need to know UIKit and and the Apple APIs, and you need to know the Android APIs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was just uh, talking to somebody uh, who said, "Well, we can't use Swift for our app because we're using APIs that uh, that are not available in Swift." And uh, that was also interesting that you, you still have to know the technology underneath that because. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> That too is an abstraction um, for for what's underneath. <laughs> yep. In this case, it was like a telemetry solution for 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 in, inside your app. You you just add this library and you get all this information about like what calls are being made, what uh, network calls, things like that. Uh, and yeah. You you just can't write that in Swift. So <laughs> you always there's always deeper uh, to dig into. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and. Uh, are are there any projects where you would say Swift UI? I, I mean, apart from the projects that need to support iOS twelve and lower, are there any projects where you would say that it's not a good choice? Um, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say as well. <laughs> if you have to support old yeah. versions, I don't know. I don't. I, it's hard for me to answer just because I haven't done enough of it to kind of know where the you know where the bodies are buried yet. Where where the it's like, oh, we've reached the limits of this for now. It's not mature enough or things like that. Um, I just haven't. The little bit that I've used Swift UI, this is the first project I've used it on. Uh -huh. um, and I haven't run into anything that we've had to like bail and go back or anything like that. Um, I mean, that, that's a good sign, right? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, usually it is. It it takes like you, you it, it looks nice on the web page, and then you you dig into it, and then it takes like five days until you you're stuck somewhere where you say, oh, the technology mm -hmm. doesn't support this. We have to work around something or something. Uh, so uh, it's a right. good sign, I'd say. Yeah, and the fact that it interoperates with Swift and UIKit makes that easy. It gives you sort of some comfort. So it's like, all right, if if we get to a point, you know, like you, you don't have to go like wholesale switch over to complete Swift UI app. Yeah. Um, you can uh, you can include Swift UI in a UI in a normal like you know you just uh, this is this is one thing I'm hoping maybe if I missed it in WWDC I sorry but I I'm hoping that they'll change this because right now like if you want to include a Swift UI view in a regular UI controller or something you have to use a hosting controller and host that whole thing in a controller a UI view controller basically okay and it would be nice if you could have that in just like a UI view, like a hosting view instead of a whole controller so that you could just place these on the page. Cause when it's the hosting controller, it, you're dealing with all that, you know, like the whole, it's the whole controller. It has the whole controller lifecycle and all that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it would be nice to, to be able to, to just say kind of the opposite of what you, if you need a UI kit piece in Swift UI, you just wrap it and you can use it and drop it right into your Swift UI page. It'd be nice to be able to do that the other way around too. Okay. Yeah. And, um, that that part's kind of lacking and that's i think that's a to me it seems like that's a kind of a big hole because if you think about most people that are going to use swift ui in a production app they're probably going to be slowly adding it to an app that they already have i mean i think that's more common right. than yeah. than complete brand new apps um and so to be able to sort of introduce this slowly into an app i feel like they could have done a better job at making it easier to to pull in but there's ways around it. I mean, once you put it in the hosting view controller, you can work with the frame of that and size it and do stuff. And but it just gets real hairy. So yeah, well, there's always the the part with the the backward compatibility. So it it wasn't their main focus to to get as many people as possible to use the technology. It was was to uh, well, the focus was probably more on the experience for the for the developer. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Uh, so it. I mean, if you have like a real legacy project, you you probably can't use the technology because you're still supporting people that that don't have the the operating system version. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. We have a at at our company we have a what we call a camp once a year. This time it was virtual. It's like a week where we meet up and um, typically in a, a big hotel and and we just try out things or we teach each other mm -hmm. stuff that we we learned and. Uh, this year we were looking at, at a couple of new mobile technologies, and SwiftUI was one of them. And uh, Android is doing something along the lines with with Jetpack Compose, and they yeah. they went uh, f with full backward compatibility, so they don't have this issue. I mean, it is for Android probably more of a necessity that you can't just expect everyone to be on the the second to last <laughs> exactly. operating system version. I mean, who has Android ten uh, or eleven? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, it makes it makes sense, but but uh, it's it's going to just uh, take some time for the technology to be there, and and it's it's interesting. Well, the Swift itself has undergone. It, I mean, the the whole approach is so different from what Microsoft is doing with with C sharp because they're always uh, like, here here's the new Swift version. You can rewrite your own old code because it, it won't work anymore. <laughs> and I'm. 
hoping well we'll see like if, if new version of swift ui come out then you do you have to rewrite everything or is this something maybe it's not not ready there ready yet or but 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 well as you say if you're using it in a project and it's working for you and you haven't found the limitations yet so that's that's a good sign yeah. i hope they don't pull the rug out from under people with breaking changes again i think they yeah. did that real early on with swift was it like one to two or two to three something like that i re that was before i was doing any swift so i yeah. I, I but i remember hearing about it and i i would hope they wouldn't do that again um especially <laughs> with a, a ui framework well my coworkers were com complaining with every major swift version and it, it's at five now so um yeah, yeah, and I know like Swift 5.3 is different from 5.2, or you at least should write things a different way in some, some places. So yeah, yeah. In, in Microsoft world, it's like you wrote this in C-sharp 1 and it will still compile, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So do, do you think this will, or, or <laughs> I don't know, for, for the future for you, is, is this uh, something you think is, is going to be your main tool now or you're just you're going to go back to to try to get Xamarin forms projects again um i i i mean my preference will be as far as personal preference i enjoy to do xamarin and xamarin forms and dot mm -hmm. net um sort of the nature of the business of being in consulting is you don't always get to do your preference so then i i sort of fall back to my my uh, sort of higher level preference is mobile development. And so as long as I can still write apps, I'll be happy. Okay. Um, and the the cool part about this is now I have a new tool in my tool belt. So the next time a project comes along, I've got a little bit more flexibility. I'm not just, you know, okay, well, let's do this with Xamarin. It's got some other options. Or if, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go on the next Swift project or Swift UI project. But yeah, I'll always, I mean, if it's ever my choice, especially if it's for two plat this app that I'm working on right now, it's just iOS. So yeah, uh, they do, they do Android a little separately. So, um, but if it's, a, if it's, a, if it's iOS and Android and it's from the beginning, I'll, I'll always choose Xamarin. Cause I just think it makes so much more sense. The amount yeah. of time you save, um, you know, the code. As soon as you've you got two share. platforms, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't by, by, by no means do I think that, you know, this is going to be my new, my new thing or anything. I've just, I've enjoyed it. It's fun. It's, it's cool to kind of see similarities. Um, it was also neat, it, which I think this is almost like a testament to the success of Xamarin is that, like we were saying earlier, you need to know the underlying APIs. And so while I've never been a native iOS developer, a native being, you know, Swift or Objective-C, yeah. I switched over to Swift and within like a day of kind of picking up the syntax and stuff like that, I was ready to go because I already knew I knew UI kit, right. just I knew it through C sharp, the C sharp lens. So yeah. it was, it's kind of cool to be able to, you know, just write mobile apps in, in any, you know, couple different languages. And do you think there's something that you learned from writing the Swift UI app that you can apply to, to your next Xamarin Forms app? Yeah, I think it's so with all the, the new things that are coming with .NET 6, I think being that this is the first time I've really worked with this style of UI programming. Um, and I know that that's going to be an option. One of the ways you can do it with, right, uh, yeah. with Maui, I think that's probably set me up pretty good for that. Cause I just, I always did everything with XAML. Um, yeah. I like XAML. It's, I can, I, it's easy for me to write. I, it's easy for me to visualize in my head, even without a preview or a designer. And so, um, I just never really did much tinkering around with, uh, you know, with any of the declarative coded stuff. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, right, just writing regular Xamarin forms in C sharp that to me is rough. But as they started mm-hmm. introducing, like when Comet came out and things like that was appealing, I just didn't really jump in and start playing with it. But now that I've done Swift UI, that's probably going to feel a lot more natural right. um, going. But when I go back to Xamarin and and start messing with that um, a little bit more, so that's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, it won't be called Xamarin anymore, but but we're yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're just gonna... .NET Mobile, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing this. And uh, yeah. I hope I actually get to tinker with the technology too in a real project. And yeah, uh, right now I'm, I'm doing Kotlin actually. So I'm, I'm getting the, the full <laughs> big picture. And somebody's asked yeah. about the uh, Flutter app, app actually. So let's see if that comes. Oh boy. Yeah. But that, I, I mean, it, it can't be bad, right? To, to learn new things and, and to get a different perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you either learn it and love it, and it's like awesome. I've got this new thing, or it just gives you more appreciation for what you came from. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, yeah. Like, I can't wait to get back to having Visual Studio as my daily IDE because Xcode cool. just drives me insane. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about Xcode. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel you. <laughs> well, thank you, Ed, for being my guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great catching up. Looking forward to seeing you in person soon. Right. Hopefully next year. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Until then, this has been another episode of Dev Talk, and we'll see each other again in two weeks. Bye bye.